the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, family, it's Bishop Derek Greer, and I invite you to fuel up, get fired up, and have an awesome fellowship with me and the Grace Church family this Resurrection Sunday. It will all happen at the gorgeous Hilton Performing Arts Center in Manassas, Virginia. There'll be room for all and a special treat for elementary school children in attendance. For more information, go to gracechurchva.org slash resurrection. That's gracechurchva.org slash resurrection, and we will see you there. going to see some things old but also discover some things new and my prayer is that something new is shaped in your expectation of God again John chapter 20 and verse 1 now on the first day of the week Now, if you remember the book of Genesis, it says on the first day this happened, the second day this happened, the third day this happened. The Jewish people did not have names for the days of the week like we have, Monday, Wednesday, uh, Friday, Sunday, etc. So in first century Jewish life, Sunday was very much like our Monday. The Sabbath started uh, sunset on Friday and lasted until the first few stars appeared on Saturday evening. So we see that it's the first day of the week and people are about to go back to work. Again, it's their Monday. They just enjoyed the Sabbath. And then the verse introduces someone and says, this woman named Mary Magdalene. And this time in history, women got up before the sun And uh, they would ground grain with a grinding stone. They didn't have processed food like we had today. They would get up and bake bread in in a clay oven. Then they'd walk to the well and and carry a day's supply of of water back for the family. They would spin clothes, uh, milk the goat, on and on. These women worked very, 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 very hard. In fact, uh, the Jewish sages would say, Women from the country were more beautiful than the women that uh, were from the city. Because one of the ways they measured beauty in that times was a woman's biceps. Yeah. Y'all like, what? Yeah. You see, women like Mary may not have been able to afford diamonds, but they were built strong like one. 
And these women had a strength about them. The Bible said that Mary got up and went to the tomb early. The shouts of crucify him, crucify him, no longer hung in the air as they did on, on Friday. The sound of the lash, the pounding of the hammer, and the darkness that covered the city was finally gone. And everybody on this Monday, if you will, which is really their Sunday, went back to business as usual. But amid all the hustle and bustle that was about to begin, Mary had to finish something. You know, motivation may get you started, but it takes character to get you to the finish line. And Mary got up and went to the tomb early. The Bible says it was while it was still dark, despite her intense and deep disappointment over the death of Jesus. It's amazing that she still put Jesus in front of or above and before all her daily responsibilities. I mean, she had a a long day waiting for women work for about at least a minimum of 12 hours from sunset to to sunrise. And often when a man came home, his work was through, but her work didn't end till she went to sleep. So again, she was about to have a very, very long day and she was dealing with some very, very serious disappointment and pain. But here's the deal. When it hurts most and you keep God first, you will last. It says, while it was still dark. Don't miss this. What you do while it's still dark, while your heart still aches, while you still feel a little bit confused, while you can't still quite understand. In those moments when things don't add up and and don't make sense and you don't feel at your best, it's those moments that govern what happens next. This woman was hurting But we see in the passage, she kept it moving. You see, you don't drown by falling in the water. You only drown by staying there. Mary went to the tomb early, got up. She already, again, she hadn't slept. I mean, it's just a whole thing. But in spite of her weakness and her pain, she still got up early. How many of y'all might want to sleep in just a little bit? Yeah. How many of you might be feeling a little bit depressed and you might, no, 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 you know, not today. But while it was still dark, the Bible says that she saw the stone had been taken away. And here's the point. She only saw because she didn't quit. Did anyone understand that? We're not defeated because we don't understand. We're not defeated because we might hurt. We're defeated when we quit. And there was no quit in this woman. Every reason to stay in bed, every reason to cry and call her girlfriends and talk about how, how, how bad her life was and, and how things had, had made a left turn. But instead, we find her up and early, tending to the needs of someone else. Mark 16, 1 records it this way. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices. So, Mark lets us know there were two other ladies with her. And they only had one goal, though, that they might come and anoint him. Their only goal was to finish what they started on Friday. These women were finishers. 
You see, Jesus was taken down from the cross around three o'clock or so. That's what the Bible records. And uh, but he was taken down for Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, shops were closed. So, you know, the Sabbath, the sun went down around five or six. So the ladies only had a certain amount of time in order. First, they had to take the body from the cross. Then they had to get the body to where it was going. And they didn't have cars and transportation like we have today. They couldn't, you know, just just roll up to Walmart or, or Target and, and get what they wanted and, and then get back to, to it. No, no, no. They had to walk everywhere they needed to go. So they didn't have the, the ability to quickly get everything they wanted to tend to Jesus and to anoint him uh, before his funeral. Also, it was a surprise to them. They, they weren't aware that he was going to die so, so quickly. So what the ladies obviously did when, when Saturday evening came and the Sabbath was over, the shops reopened and the ladies uh, bought what they needed. And then they, they came back to the tomb and say, hey, we weren't able to honor him properly. So, so now we're going to do what we were not able to finish. And it's very important to finish things that you start unto him who's able to work in us, the willing to do of his good pleasure. He's able to finish that thing that, that he's begun in us. It says very early in the morning on the first day, we're still in Mark of the week Sunday. Again, they got all the spices they wanted on Saturday. They came to the tomb and when the sun had risen, now a proper burial was, was very important in the ancient world. And uh, again, these ladies didn't understand everything about Friday. They didn't get how, how could this man walk on water? How could this man do all these miracles and let people beat him, mock him the, the way that they did? They didn't quite understand it, but they knew he was a good man. They had lived with him, walked among him. He ain't never looked at them, them funny, not one day of their life. He ain't never ha- had a wrong word come out of his mouth. They knew that Jesus still, in spite of the fact they didn't get Friday, they recognized he still deserved the highest respect. And these women had a conversation with themselves on the way to the tomb. And they said amongst themselves, who will roll away the stone? These ladies faced four major hurdles. Number one, the tomb was guarded. That's a problem. Number two, moving a stone with a Roman seal was illegal. A Roman seal was was like police tape on steroids. You're not supposed to cross police tape once they seal a crime scene. Uh, here, listen, if you touch something that the Romans sealed, it meant immediate death. It was very, very serious. Number three, it was just three ladies. The stone was too heavy. And number four, by the third day, the body would have smelled. There was no circulation in the tomb and they said among themselves it's important to have people to talk to and people though who have a can-do attitude when you're in a jam well they said amongst themselves meaning they were in agreement and they they were about the, the problem who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb now what, what scholars say is, well, these women were caught up in such grief that their emotional state clouded their reasoning and, and they were just kind of doing something silly. But I see this passage of scripture a whole lot differently. These women had walked with Jesus for three years. They'd listened to all his preaching. They'd watched the miracles and they watched Jesus constantly do the impossible things that no one had ever done before. And, and, and they had learned to live by faith and, and walking by faith had become a, a way of life. And it was the way they began to think. And when you start really living in the miraculous and the power of God, you don't think the way ordinary people think. 
So these women were the type of women that wouldn't take no for an answer. And here's the deal. Our greatest limits often only exist in our minds. These women didn't know how, but they knew they were going to get it done. Back to John 20 and verse 1. So Mary went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now keep this in mind. God didn't move the stone for Jesus to get out. How many of y'all know in a few verses he's about to walk through some walls? How many of you know in a few verses he's going to fly away to heaven? You hear what I'm saying? God moved the stone so we could see in. The only reason. He cared about the disciples. Then verse 2 it says, says something about this woman. Then she ran. She may not have understood it all. But neither did she allow herself to grow cold and indifferent. And as numb as she might fail, there was still a fire in her heart. And I'd rather fail with passion than live a life of boredom. These were passionate, feeling women. And when they saw it, the Bible says she ran. And she came to Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And we all need people in our lives that we can run to when things don't make sense, when things don't add up and and when we're hurting. And she said to them, hey, guys, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. Now, Now, here's the problem, though. Luke tells us that this woman had already married, had already met an angel. And the angel said to her, he's not here. He is risen. But I want you to understand about these ladies, because people have this idea that these were, were simpletons and, and these ladies kind of just believed anything. But th- that's not the type of ladies they were. They were sharp and they were not easily mesmerized, not even by an angel. The angel appeared. But you got to remember, they had been with Jesus. So so they had seen supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. They've already seen phenomenal. So when the angel came, they weren't so impressed. But please understand that the state of mind, and these are strong-willed women. Again, they're going to a tomb they don't have power to get into, but they know they're going to get in somehow. These unusual and powerful ladies. You see, at this point, you got to put yourself in their shoes. Only Jesus himself could make these ladies believe. They had watched a six-hour-long execution. I mean, not, not an hour long. They didn't watch someone get shot. A six hour long execution that began with a beating even before he got on the cross. They heard him not only speak, but then breathe his last breath. These women lived in a time that family would come and, and gather around a person about to, to pass away. And, and there was a certain gurgle and, and a certain noise. They were familiar with death and, and they had watched death over and, and, and over and over again. And also when they took the body down from the cross, these women personally touched Jesus' cold body. They had no doubts in their mind. That Jesus was dead. So they tell the guys, you know, hey, Jesus, they know Jesus died. I hear this guy talking about he's, but listen, I watched this thing. He's dead. 
But then when they saw the tune the way it was, they ran to their company and, and told Peter, verse 3, Peter, therefore, when he heard the news, went out, and so did John, who's the other disciple, and they went to the tomb. You know, such a, an incredible report of a tomb where, where, where Jesus was laid lying empty, unexamined. You know, there were soldiers there and all that. They, they had to go see for themselves. But watch this. It's contagious. They both ran together. An African proverb says this. It says, if you want to run fast, run alone. If you want to run far, run together. And I believe this is why all of us are here today, because you want to get around some people trying to go far. And when you're with someone pushing you and pulling with you, you get further than you would otherwise. And the other disciple outran Peter. Peter, I just imagine my mind had a little bit more girth. Peter was probably a little bit older. John was young and, and spry and bouncy, and, and he came to the, the tomb first. And though there was probably a little bit of competition between the two, but, but in reality, none of us are really in competition with each other. We're only in competition with ourselves. I just got to be the best me that I can be. You know, I'm not competing with the best you, the best me. That's the only thing that I'm going to answer for in life. But here's a fact. Peter might have been the guy that, that, you know, preached that first sermon, everything, that Pentecost, all the rest. But John got there first. And just because someone gets there before you doesn't mean you no longer have a place. You know, some people will get there a little bit faster. But each of us will get there if we keep moving. Just because you're a little bit behind doesn't mean you're never going to get there. So keep moving. And John... He got there first. He stoops down and he looked in and John's a smart guy. You read his gospel. He, he goes deep and he saw the, the linen clothes lying there and he began to study the tomb carefully. But then it says, yet he did not go in. It's possible that he didn't go in because he's a good Jew and he wanted to avoid being uh, ceremonially unclean. You know, Leviticus uh, 11 and 24 says you touch a, a dead body, get around dead stuff, you, you're unclean. And he was at the beginning of his day and, and he wasn't going to be able to work and do all those other things. So he didn't want to mess with, with dead stuff. But I, I, I think there might have been an even more compelling reason. He may have just wanted to wait for his friend. Life is so much easier when you have a friend by your side. Then Simon Peter came. He finally got there. And you'll get there following him. But watch this. And he went into the tomb. You see, this is why we need each other. You see, whatever stopped John did not stop Peter. They brought out the best in each other. And you don't have to have all the gifts. You don't have to be the fast. You you bring a certain thing to the table that without you, the meal's not going to be the same. So when Simon came, he brought a boldness or a swag, whatever you want to call it, that perhaps John didn't quite have. John was smart, but Peter got it done. And he saw the linen clothes just lying there. Now, here's the imagery, and I, I know some scholars try to paint the picture a little bit differently. But when I look at the text, it, this is the way in my heart and mind that this had to have happened. Now, 
The Bible, we're going to read a verse and we're going to discover that Jesus' body was wrapped according to Jewish custom. Now, this means that his body was wrapped with cloth from head to toe on Friday. And the wrapping was, though it was wider and the wraps were even longer, it was a lot like our ace bandages where you just kind of wrap that injured part. Matter of fact, John chapter 19, verse 39 tells us a little bit more. Is it okay to dig into this just a little bit? And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, Nick at night, (laughs) also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and alloys. It's about 100 pounds. This amount of spice is, is not unusual. It was used as a symbol of Nicodemus, who was a rich man, a rich man's devotion. But as much as it was to the ladies, it obviously wasn't enough. It's kind of like you go into a funeral and other people bring flowers, but just because they brought flowers don't mean you won't bring your own. So, so he brought his and, and, and he knew that the Sanhedrin was part of Sanhedrin. They wanted to kill Jesus. So, so he was uh, a prep. But, but what's interesting here is, is about a hundred pounds of myrrh and alloys would have roughly been about 25 gallons of perfume. You say, that's a whole lot. Well, what they would do is they would take the cloth. How many know cloth clothes absorb liquid? They, they would take the different linen strips. They would dip it in the myrrh and alloy, and then it would be wet, and then they'd wrap it around, and this, this was his entire body. Verse 40, then they took the body of Jesus, bound it in the strips of linen with the spices. They dipped it, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. So what happened is overnight, the liquid would invariably start to dry. And when the liquid dried, the fabric would harden and would form something like a cocoon around the entire body of Jesus. So now let's go back. And I want you now to have a picture of what the disciples were looking at when they looked into the tomb. And John, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go. Then Simon Peter came following him, went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there. Now imagine seeing a cocoon in the shape of a human body, but without the body in it. It was in, it, it's impossible to extract the body without ruining the wrapping. It was also inconceivable that the robbers could have somehow uh, taken the body from the cloth or taken the body out of there and then somehow reworked the cloth and, and, and did it without the body. Then all the while, the soldiers may have come back and attacked. It made no sense. So when they looked at this, they're like, oh my gosh. And then in verse 7 it says, and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. So this, this, you know, Jesus may have been a neat freak. I don't know. I don't know. Can you call Jesus a freak? I don't, I'm sorry. Okay. But I might be reading into the text just a little bit, but it's funny. The neatness of this thing, they're like, that had to have been Jesus. 
But we, we notice that Jesus kind of, he pays attention to details. Because remember when he fed those multitudes and he said, listen, don't waste any of the fragments, collect them. And then he, he, he pulled up all the fragments of bread and, and gave them to his disciples. Jesus uh, seemed to, to handle things. And, and I'm going a little bit off, but the point is, they see this, this thing folded. So their conclusion, thinking people say, well, whoever did this was not in a rush. You see, when Jesus rose from the grave, he was not frantic. He was not in a panic. Oh my God, I finally made it. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it through that. I made it, you know, through the skin of my teeth. No, get, get, you know, get, get me out of here. He, there was no panic. Things had happened just as he had said. And I'm almost there. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also. And he saw and believed. Now, if we skip down a couple verses, it actually says it might be in nine or ten that they did not believe the scriptures. Meaning the disciples did not believe in the resurrection because of what either Jesus said or what the Old Testament taught. So in order for John to believe because of what he saw. The scene must have been so compelling. The scene couldn't have just been some garments kind of laying there. Let's read it again. Then the other disciple, John, who came to the tomb first, went in also. And he saw this and believed. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.